Hello, everyone. Welcome to another podcast episode of the First World Manila podcast. First World Manila is a brand that makes long-term economic planning and urban planning and cultural revitalization interesting to Manilenios and even, broadly speaking, Filipinos, making it interesting and aspirational. So it's a brand that does that. First World Manila is a brand. It's sort of a what I call an aspirational advocacy. So creating wants and desires and aspirations, but also tying it into uh, civic duty, civic responsibility, and uh, obviously tying it to what you can do and be knowledgeable about so that um, the Philippines can be a better country with a higher standard of living for everyone in it. Okay, so again, this this brand does this through... um, podcasts like the one you're listening to now and also fine art exhibits and YouTube vlogs which are also seen on Facebook by the way the videos <laughs> all right uh, today's episode is going to be a quick one because I I'm super busy uh, I have a really big week ahead and um, I'm also relaunching my international brand which if you follow me on my other my other accounts you, you know about this but that's besides the point okay um, so I just want to talk quickly, very briefly, about what's slowing down the infrastructure build-out. Oh, yeah, before I, before I uh, go any further, I'm actually going to be an event on Thursday uh, in Makati, uh, Raid the Fridge. If you're familiar with that, it's like a networking event. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, join that. Uh, there's going to be a talk by Bill Luz, who's the private sector co-chairman, outgoing, so he's, he's, he's leaving, of the National Competitiveness Council. So that should be interesting. And obviously, it's right up my alley and what I'm doing for, for First World Manila. So uh, I'm going to be on that uh, on, on Thursday. So look it up on Facebook, Raid the Fridge. Uh, you know, join if you can. If you can, I'll, I'll see you there. Uh, don't be afraid to walk up to me and say hi. Someone's already done that to me. So I'm, I feel like I'm kind of getting famous. Um, Oh yeah, uh, for those of you who, who are just joining in, um, my name is Ramon Rodrigo Calacuenca, CFA. I am the founder and director of First with Manila. So yeah, and now apparently getting slightly more famous <laughs> when total strangers walk up to you and say, hey, I really like what you're doing with XYZ, in my case, First with Manila. So uh, it's a weird experience. It's, it's rewarding, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a little, it's a little unreal. Yeah, so anyways, don't be afraid to walk up to me and say hi if you're there on Thursday. Again, this is Raid the Fridge on Thursday. It's in Makati, so look it up on Facebook and try and make it out there. Okay, so what's slowing down infrastructure build-out? So for those of you who have sat in on several of my earlier podcasts, I've, I've constantly returned to um, an article that was published in April this year. And I'm going to, for those of you who are listening audio only, I'm, I'm pulling the website up now. It's, it's a business world. It's called, uh, minimize myself here, marking one year of build, build, build. So I, I referenced, uh, you know, in several of the past podcasts, I referenced this article just because it's a sort of a good summary of what's, of what's been going on. Uh, hopefully they come up with a new one in, in the next few months because, again, this is, this is uh, what, two, two months old, three months old at this point? Um, no, two, two months. 
Almost three. Uh, but anyways, uh, one of the um, one of the key key points of this article, in my view, um, is that the writer Wesley Nui talks about how we're at record spending for infrastructure, but projects, infrastructure projects, have been delayed. So the obvious question is, <laughs> where is all that money going? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So I wanted to dig in more into that. Like, why, why is it just so inefficient to get the infrastructure going? You know, um, it's been delays after delays. And, it's, and to be fair to the current administration, this has been a hallmark of even past administrations. So for me, it's, it's beyond politics. Again, if, again, this is a recurring theme of this podcast. Like, there's something deeper in our culture that can't seem to get things to really move forward on a, on a secular level. Um, Okay, I mean, I just want to point out that this is another article I I like um, referring to, this one here. This is by Entrepreneur. President Duterte inaugurates Aquino administration's biggest airport PPP project. So it's talking about the Mactan Cebu Airport Terminal. And it's, uh, it's good because within the, obviously this article is mainly talking about Mactan Cebu's international airport, but... Uh, the writer did talk about how, I mean, I'm going to read this passage here, um, about the previous administration. Um, I think I have, it, I have it written down in my notes also, so I'll just kind of read verbatim. So, as many of you know, the big thing under, under uh, Noinoi's administration was PPP, uh, Public-Private, or Private-Public Partnership uh, Program, where the private sector and the public sector would work hand in hand to get the these um infrastructures infrastructure projects going obviously now under duterte it's uh build 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 which is a little bit different but i'll get to that in a second so here i'm i'm, I'm just going to read verbatim from this article entrepreneur and again as usual i will i will leave links in the description for everybody to take a look at these um articles so PPP refers to arrangements that allow the government to build costly infrastructure and other capital projects such as airports, roads, or railways at little or no cost to the to taxpayers. Instead, the government invites private companies to build and operate the project while collecting fees from users for a fixed number of years. While the scheme looks attractive for governments short on money, they take a lot of time to roll out because of the need to align the often conflicting interests of the private companies, the users, and the regulators. Uh, the Aquino administration's PPP program is often derided by critics as all PowerPoint presentations, ha ha ha, PPP, because they took a long time to materialize. Of the 16 PPP projects awarded by the Aquino admin, uh, administration, only two were finished during its term. Two more were completed after he left office and Duterte came to power. The Mactan Cebu Terminal 2 um, is a third Aquino-era PPP project to be rolled out under Duterte's term. The delays and complexity of PPP projects prompted the Duterte administration's economic managers, led by Finance Secretary Carlos Dominguez III, to prioritize official development assistance, ODA, as well as budgetary allocation in funding schemes for infrastructure projects. The new strategy is called Build, Build, Build program to emphasize the faster pace of project implementation. And uh, end of um, me quoting this article, Entrepreneur. 
Uh, but see, even with, uh, so there's kind of a new strategy. Instead of PPP, it's like ODA and build, build, build now. But again, there, there have been delays. So, so there's something, for me, there's something deeper going on. Um, so doing a little bit more digging on the internet and Google searching, I came across uh, this article by Mr. Peter Wallace. Uh, this was dated uh, March of this year, March 1, 2018, How to Build Infrastructure. And he does talk about PPP and ODA and everything. And for him, it really depends on the project. Uh, basically, what he's saying is some projects are better with PPP, the others are better with ODA. I'm not privy to the, to the um, details and intricacies of all these different you know, complex infrastructure projects. But you know, what he's saying is that it, really, it should be on a case-by-case -case basis, which is OK, fine. He does talk about, uh, Peter Wallace does talk about uh, PPP, the, the delays principally, and, and then here I'm going to start reading. For PPP, the, the delay is principally, in fact, almost entirely in the bidding process. I don't think anyone questions that the private sector can build more efficiently and faster than the government can. The first delays come in the, pre the preparation of the terms of reference, so TOR, and request for proposals, RFP. And then in the almost inevitable temporary restraining order, TRO, filed by a loser in the bidding which the courts have unconditionally accepted and taken forever to decide. So bureaucracy, red tape, and uh, the Supreme Court that's slow to get things really done. And remember, the Supreme Court is, has a huge case backlog too. So another big inefficiency in our government. Um, uh, Wallace continues, the, slow, the slowness in preparing TORs and RFPs is principally due to the fact that the line agencies involved, and even the National Economic and Development Authority for final evaluation, have good people but not enough to do the job at the speed required and handle all the numerous projects planned and necessary. Uh-huh. Right, he's still talking about PPP. Hiring truly independent consultants to assist government staff could help. So again, I'm just reading excerpts at this point from this article. You should read the whole thing, How to Build Infrastructure. Okay, uh, he continues. As for TROs, there's Republic Act number 8975 that allows only the Supreme Court to issue such orders for national infrastructure projects. All the High Court has to do is exercise extreme discretion and accept a request only if there seems to be a very strong case for review. So he's, these are some of the suggestions of how to get things done quicker. Okay, now here's an interesting thing. Another delay concerns right of way, but this affects government slash ODA and PPP projects equally. So right of way is a big, it's a big cause for delay in both uh, PPP and ODA. Here it just needs a strong government determined to exercise its right of eminent domain and just do it, paying, if I can be listened to, 1.5 times the market value. So, and, and uh, my quotation of Peter Wallace. So there you have it. I mean, there are basically we're looking at um, red tape, bureaucracy, inefficient staffing, even though there are good and well-meaning people in government. So there you go. Um, I wanted to look more into our uh, right of way because I keep, this, this term keeps coming up and it seems to be a real problem with infrastructure build out here in the Philippines. Probably elsewhere too, I wouldn't be surprised. So this is a really, this next one from Phil Starr by uh, Buchanko. 
ROE problems delay input projects. So this is the this is dated uh, October of last year, I believe. Yeah, October 15, 2017. And here he's talking about he got an email from an old friend who has been working for the government in various infrastructure projects. So, so here he's basically. So I'm going to be quoting this article written by Buchanko, where he is quoting an email from an insider. Uh, if I can just close this spam here first so that apparently I can't. Um, oh, don't you hate these things? Uh, looks like my uh, computer is frozen here. Luckily, oh, a pop-up. Okay, uh, here we go. All right. Well, good thing I have this on hand. And you know what? I realize my computer might be freezing. So any, anyone watching on YouTube, I apologize if my mouth is not moving in sync with the video. But uh, I'm just going to close this window just because it's frozen. But it's a good thing I have this, uh, the quote here. Okay, so from Buchanko reading the email from, from an insider. In my experience, and probably the same as all the major expressway developers and, con and contractors in the country, the biggest hindrance to infrastructure development is right-of-way, ROW, acquisition. In nearly all cases, infrastructure projects that can be implemented in half the time if the ROE is, sorry, <laughs> ROW is provided in a timely manner. When you raise this point to current government officials, they will undoubtedly lecture you on the vast improvement of the current ROW acquisition law, including paying claimants at market value, removal of capital gains tax, the use of independent appraisers, etc. All of this is true, but the fact of the matter is that the actual ROW acquisition continues to move at a turtle's pace, if not even slower. The problem lies more with the execution than with the law. So again, execution. In the DPWH, perhaps 95% of the ROW acquisition staff are quote-unquote job order or daily paid workers whose salaries are often three, month, three months delayed, who are not properly trained, are not provided office furniture, equipment, or logistics, etc. They have no motivation and don't really care to do their job properly, and it's hard to blame them given the way they are treated. Uh-huh. Okay. Based on experience... Proper ROW acquisition requires the services of a full-time, high-level, well-trained, and experienced manager per project. This is currently not happening. ROW acquisition is a very tedious and complicated task because it involves literally hundreds of parcels of land owned by hundreds of persons whom you have to track down and whose individual issues are often quite unique. Think about, I mean, the thing, I mean, okay, a comment I want to add that that you know, I think about like squatters right away when I think about that. That's such a mess. Um, okay, going back to this email. One needs to be a lawyer, a surveyor, an assessor, a negotiator, and at the same time, a counselor who knows how to listen to the tales of how, to piece it, how a piece of property has been part of the family's heirloom for generations. One has to be flexible and cannot just ram through an expropriation case against hapless citizens who then who will then proceed to barricade the road construction. <sighs> Yet the government is hampered by its own rules and bureaucracy. There we go, which limits its ability to to provide financial assistance. Okay, now I'm going to skip ahead to another passage of this article. So please, by the way, read read this whole all these articles. 
The implementing government agencies are hampered by the DBM rules on hiring and seemingly their own rules on financial transactions. There must be a way to resolve these, if necessary, through legislation. Going back to the inability of the past administration to build major infrastructure in Metro Manila, I believe that can be blamed mainly on a lack of political will to solve ROW problems. That is why billions of pesos were spent on converting asphalt pavements to concrete and upgrading drainage pipes because no ROW acquisition was involved. Thus, even the beautiful and smooth asphalt pavement in front of the Rizal Monument at Rizal Park was removed and replaced with a rough concrete pavement. These types of projects have minimal benefit, have minimal immediate benefit to people. Um, you end up with basically the same roads and the same, if not worse, floods. So there you go. I'm just gonna type something here. Someone's messaging me. All right, let me continue. Okay. Uh, so this is the last part I want to read from this, uh, this uh, article by Buchanko. Again, this is from his insider friend. The reason for the non-implementation seems to be basically an inability to solve ROW issues and lack of political will, which seem to have tragically been carried over from the previous administration to the present. So there you go. I mean, you know, I'm not here to blame anyone. I think, I think you know, the, the, the easiest thing to do is to blame people in government, and I, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not for that. I, I want to support them, especially the ones who are really trying to make a difference. But they're, you're giving them an, an impossible task. Some might say a Sisyphean task. <laughs> um, so again, there are just so many different interests than, and there's so many complex issues that extend above and beyond every administration. There, there are systematic problems in my view, or cultural, deep rooted cultural problems that we have to get through to. Even just to get the the R O W done. So, what can we learn from? What, why have other countries, rich countries, been able to do this and we haven't? So, and if you if you've listened to my previous podcasts, you know what I'm going to say here. Um, first of all, they develop the the you know countries like the U S or Japan or you know those in Western Europe. Uh, they're much more developed than ours in the sense that they evolved from kingdoms and you know empires that had, in my view, this is, this is my view here, that sort of forced people to, you know, and created a story that people believe in, and that's that sort of centuries and centuries of development, you know, create a create a sense of identity, national identity, and a respect for institutions and government, some basic forms of the government bureaucracy. Um, so. In a way, people initially in these in these countries were kind of forced to because they were ruled by a ruler, and obviously these countries have, have evolved past kingdoms and empires, and they're not they're not democracies. But I feel that the the sort of respect for institutions and the you know the, the drive to get things done still carried over from those from their previous from these previous forms of government. So. I mean, if you look at the East Asian miracles, a lot of these, all of the, a lot of the groundwork for their development was done by dictators. Like even in Japan, there was, you know, it's not a dictator, but there were a bunch of like, uh, as I've explained previously, the the samurai sort of ran things for a good long time before democracy really started taking place there. 
So there's either a, like a dictator or a junta that basically commands and gets everything done. Basically, you force people to be efficient because you point a gun at them. <laughs> so that's why, I mean, that's, that, that is the most extreme form of political will, right? <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, we're not like that. We're, we were made, we were born from, from, for, we were born, excuse me, from colonialism. We don't have that background, that, that heritage of a, you know, a strong kingdom or empire or anything like that and, a, and respect for, for impartial institutions. So we have to develop that on our own. And obviously one way is to have a dictator. We tried that, it didn't work. Um, another way, you know, basically a dictator uh, forces people, like you make, you, you force them to want to change. Uh, obviously that, that hasn't worked with us. So why not the other route, which I propose, which is that we, we make people want to change. That's sort of harder and longer term. But for me, it's the only route out for us to really get things going here. It's, you know, a whole systematic change in the entire system and culture, and not just the people in government or the politicians, but everyone, including uh, the rich, the middle class, the poor, me, you, everyone. You have to, you know, um, as, I've, as I've said before in this podcast, you have to make a vision of who we are and what we can be marketable to uh, to all sectors of society. So everyone kind of uh, contributes above and beyond their own self-interest. That's what has to be done. So, and again, maybe another example I always like to point out is Japan, where it's almost the extreme of that. Uh, instead of, for a long time in Japan, and I didn't mention this in my previous podcast, for a long time in Japan, following the, the Meiji Restoration, where they, where they industrialized, um, it was perceived as, as really an honor to work for the bureaucracy. Like the best people would, would, would work for the bureaucracy. That's almost like the opposite here. The best people don't want to work for the bureaucracy. And the, the, the best people go to the private sector or they just leave the country. So it's like the opposite of Japan in that, in that sense, what, what were our situation. So uh, what we can do, uh, so again, the, the mission of First World Manila is to make uh, um, aspiring to who we really are and what we sh what we can be aspirational to everybody, starting obviously with the educated class. Uh, many of uh, I'm sure many of the of my listeners are from that that background. Um, and obviously that's that's sort of it's hard to measure that and it's not going to be easy. But you know it's and it's not it's not like a there's no strict plan to it. It's just changing attitudes. You know, even doing small things like, you know, treating your helpers with respect, you know, being proud to like help out, uh, you know, with community service or even vote, even at a, maybe even at a barangay level, small things like that, and really, you know, and really being proud to be Filipino, and for all the Philams listening, uh, really be proud of your culture as well, and you know, market it abroad, of course. What we are and how we market ourselves is another is another problem that I've obviously I've addressed in this podcast in several episodes and I will continue to address in both this podcast and my fine art and my videos. Okay, uh, what you can also do and uh, you can share this podcast to get more people interested in aspirational advocacy. Uh, also, the the articles uh, I'm linking to in the description so everyone gets an idea of what's what's going on and what needs to be done. Um, so that's it for today. Please support me. Obviously, I'm, 
I'm showing everyone a way out of this quandary so that over the long term, we actually secularly change this country for the better. Okay, before I leave, today's uh, Spanish Tagalog vocab is uh, ellos. Ellos is sila, or lalaki lang. So, ellos for, for men, for mga lalaki, or if it's a mixed, if it's a mixed uh, gender group. So, ellos, sila. And that's it for me. If you like what you listen to and you want to support, uh, please share, subscribe, uh, put the word out for First of Manila, an aspiral, excuse me, an aspirational advocacy for the long-term and continual development of the Philippines to elevate our own culture and to elevate our broad standard of living. All right, see you next week. Bye-bye.